Welcome. We're so thankful that you're here today. We have guests with us. We appreciate that. I want you to know that you're welcome. I invite you to come and be with us at every opportunity that you have. As we begin our lesson today, I simply want to reflect on something that happens during this time most every year. We begin to go to the stores and start buying things, don't we? Do you realize that according to the Gallup company that in 2018 there were some $1 trillion spent on buying things for the holidays. Now you think about that. That is one with 12 zeros behind it. And so $1 trillion. If you begin thinking about each person who receives a gift, and if you divide that evenly among everyone, again, according to the Gallup poll, some $885 were spent on every American in giving them gifts last year. And again, according to the Gallup company, for 2019, that $1 trillion a number will continue to rise, and the gift-giving number, according to them, also will go up from $885 to $920 per person. And so, as you think about that, that is a lot of money. Now, we understand that the Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 20 at verse 35, according to what Luke records for us, he said, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so we're thankful for gifts and things of that nature. But I want to call your attention this morning to what was read for us in our Bible reading, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 10. And for those who have been with us all year, you know that we have been addressing questions that are found in the Word of God on Sunday morning and questions that... Christians have in their own mind on Sunday nights, and we are continuing that today. And so the question that we'll be looking at is found in this reading, especially if you look at it reading from the King James Version. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 10, we have Jesus talking about asking, and uh, asking, he said, and it will be given to you, and uh, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you, so forth. We, we read all of that, but then he gets to the point, he said, if one of your children, if your son asked you for some bread, would you give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would you give him a serpent? Now, I wish we had time this morning to deal a little bit with that. We understand, according to uh, what we can find, that, that the serpent thing comes in with uh, the kind of fish that they were asking for, which at that point would have uh, uh, looked a little bit like a, a snake, if you will. But as you think about it, he, he said, you know, you know basically how to give. But look at verse number 11. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 11. Think about what Jesus says here. He said, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him. Now, English Standard Translation puts an exclamation point after that. But the King James puts the form uh, puts this question uh, puts this into the form of a question. And so, think about what is being said here. He says, "I want to compare you you people who are living here on earth. I want to compare you with God for just a minute." You know, that's a little scary when we become, uh, uh, be, when we're compared with God. Uh, but Jesus says, let me compare you. He, he said, when your children ask, you know what to give them. You know how to give these gifts. But I want you to note here what he calls us. 
He said, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts. Wow, that's pretty strong, isn't it? Well, in comparison to God, remember what we're doing here. In comparison to God, none of us measure up. None of us are like Him. And so in comparison to God, He being perfectly good brings us down to the level of being evil, if you will. And so He said, if you being evil... And we could just translate that into being an average, ordinary human being. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more does God, who is perfect in every way, know how to give good gifts to you, to His children? Now think about that for a moment. Let that sink in. All of us down here, we do pretty good sometimes in giving gifts, don't we? But God always gets the right one. God always does it in the way. And so the point is this morning, if we with all of our imperfections can know how to give good gifts, then God with no imperfections or shortcomings certainly knows how to give. And so this morning as we think about that, we, we compare ourselves to God, or at least Jesus does. But, but thinking about that this morning, again, it's during this time of year that the spirit of compassion and, and the spirit of, of giving far exceeds that of any other time during the year. And that's just the way things are here, especially in our nation. It just exceeds it during this time. We, we know that, that sometimes people become, you know, a little, a, a little less self-concerned, if you will, during this time of year and begin looking at other folks, looking around them. And that is, unless you go to one of the, one of the stores and, uh, you know, you're trying on a, on a Black Friday to try to get to one of the, one of the, uh, specials, one of the bargains and that, you know, has gotten into a lot of fights and gunshots and things like that. But as we think about it today, in a general sense, that spirit of compassion and giving for it sees any other time of the year. But this morning, at the risk of, uh, of sounding somewhat trite, wouldn't it be great if we could harness the spirit of compassion and giving that characterizes this time of year and transfer that to the other 11 months, you know, outside of the space between Thanksgiving and, and Christmas Day? Wouldn't it be great if we could do that? And, and again, understand that that sounds somewhat uh, simplistic and trite, but, but, but wouldn't it be great? But along with that, are there some things that we should consider that might help us to be more compassionate and giving? for the rest of the year, rather than just a certain part of the year. To be able to be a giver, a compassionate giver, all year long. Shouldn't we as Christians really be that? Isn't that what we should practice and how we should be? All the time, not just part of the time. And so this morning there are a few things that I want us to think about. And I think, you know, if we look at these things and we understand these things, it will help us to be better givers, better compassionate people, just better people in general. So what is it that we can look at? What is it that we can think about that would help us to do this? Number one, 
Be willing to give even when you do not expect to receive. Now think about that for a minute. Be willing to give even when you do not expect to receive. Now, when you think about in the, in the realm of material goods, you know, presents that you open up, you know, you, you look at that and you think about that, but, but, but it extends far beyond that. This idea of being willing to give, even with the idea that we do not expect to receive, extends far beyond that. Now look at, if you will, in your Bible, in the book of Matthew chapter 5, verses 46 and 47. Jesus poses some, some pretty good uh, uh, questions here. He says, For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? He uses two examples here that the principle is, it should be evident to us that if we're acting in our life out of wanting a response out of somebody else, and that's the only reason we do something, then in reality, from the Jewish standpoint, from the mindset of the Jews, you're really no better than the worst sinners in the whole world. You're really no better than the, than the ones that you look down on and you despise every day. He says, if you only do what they do, and that's what they do, if they, if they do something and expect, uh, with an expectation of getting something out of it, getting something back from it, then you're not really doing the right thing. You're not going about things in the right way. If you back up to Matthew chapter 5, look at verses 40 and 41, still in the same chapter, but two different verses. The Bible says, And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. You know, when you put the point that Jesus is making with all of these verses together, you and I as Christians are to go above and beyond. Some have called that the second mile Christianity. To go above and beyond what the rest of the world is willing to do. Some folks, they feel used. Some folks, they feel like people just walk all over them. But in reality... As a Christian, we're willing to go the second mile. We're willing to allow that to some extent in order to be God-like. How many people have walked all over God? You know, again this morning as we think about it, there are those when they feel cheated because they haven't received something from someone else that's of equal value to what they have given that person. And that's really not the right attitude, not proper at all. If we really want to do something about this, then, then you know, maybe we could do a little bit of an experiment. Maybe we could get all the people to whom we expected to give gifts together, put them in a circle, and start out in this way. Or you could increase the amount. I don't care, but, but the point is still the same. Suppose you take $10 and you hand $10 to the person who is next to you, and that person takes his $10 and gives it to the person who is next to him, and you go all the way around the circle, well, you've exchanged your gifts, right? 
You've exchanged them. And everything is equal. Everything is of the same value. No questions asked, right? But you say, preacher, that's silly. That's foolish. Why would anyone want to do that? You wouldn't do it that way because that's not what giving is all about, is it? But if you've got the attitude that you're just sort of, uh, sort of aggravated and feel cheated because you didn't get as much as somebody else did, you might as well just go in the circle and give the $10 because that's the same exact attitude that you have. And so we need to work on that, don't we? And so as we think again about it, even though we know it's silly, you know why we give, don't you? We give because we care. We give because we care about an individual. That's why we give that person a gift. And when we really have that true care about the individual, we're not expecting anything in return, are we? That's really what it's not about. There's a story that's told about a man by the name of Paul, not the Apostle Paul, but a man by the name of Paul. And, and, and it concerned a college friend of his, and, and it seems that this college friend had a, a, a brother who gave him a car. You may have heard the story before. But he gave him a car. And so one day, the man was driving his car, and he parked in the street. And there happened to be a young boy who was standing there, and, and it was pretty obvious that the young man didn't have very much of anything at all, uh, based on the way that he was dressed. And, and so you know how you look at folks, and sometimes you can tell that they're, that they're struggling. And, and, and he said, Mr., that sure is a nice car. And, and Paul's friend replied in this way, he said, yes, sir. He says, my brother gave it to me. And the little boy, he started out by saying, I wish that. Well, Paul's friend... He knew what he was going to say, or at least he thought he did. He was sure he was going to finish that up by saying, I wish I had a brother that would give me a car like that. Isn't that what you'd expect? But instead, the young man, the little boy said, I wish that I could be a brother like that. I wish I could be a brother like that. That's the attitude we're talking about. Be able to give without expecting something in return. And to give generously and to give in such a way that would be a blessing to other people. That's the true spirit of giving. And, and until we learn that, we'll never be givers year-round, as we should be. And I'm thankful so many Christians, and I'm not saying that, that we're all guilty of those kinds of things, I'm thankful so many Christians have learned that lesson. And would give others the very shirt off of their back, as the old saying goes. Whether it's November or whether it's July, we would do that. But all of us, we need to remember that. And as we grow up, we need to, we need to learn that lesson and hold on to it for the rest of our life. Number two, as we think about how we can be a better giver, we need to give out of love and not obligation. Love and not obligation. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 3 applies very much here. We know 1 Corinthians 13 is known as the love chapter, don't we? 
Love suffers long and is kind. You're going down in the, in the chapter. But the Apostle Paul begins those thoughts in this way. He says, if I give away all I have, and I deliver up my body to be burned. Boy, he's talking about giving it all, isn't he? He's like the, like the hen and the, and the pig talking about breakfast. One gave some and the other gave all, you know. One gave an egg and the other gave the ham. But as we think about it, if I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, Paul continues, but have not love, I gain nothing. Or if you're reading from the King James, it Profits me nothing. I gain nothing. When we give out of a sense of duty, out of an obligation, it does some things. It communicates some things. It communicates some negative things. It's a lot like paying a bill, isn't it? If we're just doing it out of obligation... You know, you have to pay your light bill because we owe the light bill. We have to pay our mortgage or we have to pay for our car because we owe that. I don't know how many people here enjoy that. I don't really enjoy that. Right? I, I, I'm glad the Lord has blessed me enough to be able to do those things, but, but I don't really enjoy it. I, I'd rather do some other things with that money. Like paying a bill. But, but you know what? If I'm giving... To others out of obligation, sort of like paying that bill. When we give to people in this way, they can tell it. They can know. They can read and judge us. Even some of the smallest and youngest among us can do that. They can understand that we're not giving to them because we care, but out of a duty to give to them. Notice what... Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 at verse number 7 in talking about giving back to the Lord. He said, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. When we give on the Lord's day, just as we did a few moments ago, did the person who was carrying the plate around sort of have to pull your check out of your hand? Now, I'm not saying that literally. Y'all understand what I'm saying. Did you, did you have to do it yourself, though? Oh, not literally, but, well, actually the heart that he's talking about is up here. Coming out of the heart. If we don't do that with other folks, why would we do it with God? And by the same token, if we didn't do that with God, why would we do it with other people? We don't give out of a sense of obligation. We give out of a sense of love. How can you do that? You've probably bought gifts here in the last few days. If not, you only have a couple more days before Christmas Day when they get up and open it up on Christmas morning to do that. You've, you've probably done that, but if you did that, you probably bought for people who are special to you, right? 
And that's good. And when you did that, some have, have selected these gifts and they spend a lot of time doing that. You know why? You spend considerable time because you want to match the gift with the individual. Now why do you do that? Why do you do that? Because you know that individual and you love that individual. And you want to say to them, I love you by what you're giving. If we could spread that out to beyond our family and beyond those who are the closest and most special to us, how much better we would all be. What do people around us need? Sometimes it may just be a shoulder on which to lean. It may be an ear that listens as someone struggles in life. There are so many things that we can give, not of a material nature, but of a, uh, of a nature that would be helpful to them. Parents, what are, what's one thing that you can give your children that they need more than anything else? Tea. I-M-E. Time. And, and, and again, you know, you can, you can multiply that out. What, what about, what does a wife want from her husband many times? You say a diamond ring, well, that's not bad. But sometimes it's simply to communicate, right? It may be that one of the things that your neighbor needs more than anything else is for you to share the gospel with them. But we don't do any of these things out of obligation. We do them out of love. Number three. If we want to have that compassionate giving spirit then give gifts that tell people what they're worth. What they're worth. You know, a lot of folks will seek to associate the wise men that are mentioned in Matthew chapter 2 with this time of year. And there are really a number of reasons why that's not something that should be done. Um, we don't know a certain date as to when Jesus was born, and we're not given any commandment as to when or even to celebrate it. And so, you know, as we look at these things, we still see these men. And even though that they're associated with this time of year, and we understand that they came from the east, likely Persia, it took them time to get from their place to where the baby was. And even though we read about in Scriptures how that the baby was not in the manger but in the house, there's so many things that tell us this is not a time. People still associate it. That's not my intent this morning, but what I want us to do is to think about what they did in their giving. As we look at them, we understand that these men were giving gifts, and they gave gifts of meaning. They gave gifts of meaning. Very likely it was up to a couple of years after Jesus had been born because Herod killed a the babies from two years old and under, the male children two years old and under. And if you think about that, I have a grandson who is here. He would have been in that slaughter. And there are other babies who are here. 
It would have been in that slaughter. But as we think about it, what did these men bring? Gifts of meaning. They brought gold. Gold, the gift of a king. And we know Jesus was a king. He was born to be a king. John chapter 18, verse 37. Pilate said to him, So you're a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. He was a king, and he is a king. 1 Timothy 6.15 He who is blessed and only sovereign, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. They brought gold. These men brought frankincense. Frankincense, a spice. Frankincense associated with priests. And Jesus is indeed our priest. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in the heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Not only did they bring that, but they brought myrrh. Again, associated with one who was to die. One who's going to die. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3. Paul says, I deliver to you of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. Paul says the most important thing about Christ is His death. It's on the other end of His life that we as Christians are taught to remember our Lord. And so, as we look at it, we understand... These men brought gifts of meaning. And if we want to be givers and have that compassionate spirit, we need to teach ourselves to learn how to give gifts of meaning. You know what? Politicians can do some of the most boneheaded things of anybody in the world. A number of years ago, there was a big move on in Los Angeles, California. Now, they have a they have a problem out there that's still going on to this very day about the homeless. And we should be helpers of those who are homeless, right? Those who need help. Those who, who, who need us, we need to help. But some boneheaded, in my opinion, politician decided that one of the things that they could do to help the homeless is they had, the, a lot of these people who are out there, they had old rickety shopping carts that the wheels were falling off and, and they were having a whole lot of problems pushing them around. And so the proposition was made that they would buy these folks new shopping carts. Now that'd get them from one place to the other a little easier, wouldn't it? Get them a new shopping cart. You know what that says? What that really says is we don't expect you to get a job. We don't expect you to improve your lot in life. We expect you to live on the street the rest of your life. So here's your shopping cart. You see... What we do for people, what we say to them, and what we do for them, it has meaning behind it. And if we want to be the right kind of giver, compassion, we need to understand the needs of people. 
and come to appreciate those and to give the appropriate things that mean the most for them. You know, it's been said that we can give with one of two attitudes. We can say, I'm giving you this gift because I'm generous. I'm giving you whatever it is. I'm, I'm helping you out. I'm doing it because I'm generous. Or we can say, I'm giving you this gift because you're worthy of the gift. Now, who... On whom is the emphasis placed in the first statement? It's on me. On whom is the emphasis placed in the second? It's on the one who receives. On the one who receives. You know, the problem is, we sometimes think more highly of ourselves as Paul would write, then we ought to think, right? And if we want to carry on the spirit of compassion and the spirit of giving that Christians should have 12 months out of the year, then we've got to change the focus. And the focus can't be on us. The focus is on the other person. That's why we would give gifts of meaning and gifts of value. As we close this morning, in the book of Luke chapter 6 at verse 38, Luke writes in these words, he says, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. Now certainly we don't give to receive as we've already said, but what Jesus is promising is that when we do it in the way that God says, we can't outgive Him. His shovel's bigger than ours. And He can continue to give more and more and more. Do you remember how we started this morning after we got past the illustration of how much? We were in Matthew chapter number 7. Knock, seek, ask, so forth. And we got down to the part where our question was, and our question, how can you being evil, if you know, if you being evil know how to give good gifts, let me paraphrase it for you, what about the Father? And certainly He does. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15, the Bible, Paul writes, says, Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. If you're reading again from the King James, unspeakable gift. If you read from the New King James, indescribable gift. The gift that He gives us is a Savior and salvation. The grace and the salvation that comes through His Son, Jesus Christ. And every one of us will need to make a decision as to whether we will accept the gift of God or not. See, God's not going to force it upon us. God is not going to make us take it. But He is generous, more generous than we'll ever be. 
He is giving more giving than we could ever be. And He's provided a gift that we can't even describe in our mortal tongues through His Son. What will you do with Him this morning? Will you leave the gift on the table? Will you leave it wrapped, if you will, and never take it and receive it? And stand before God having never received His gift. One day it will be too late. The gift will be off the table. Not because you've taken it off, but because God has. And He Himself, as we stand before Him, will judge us. Won't it be a hard day that day for us to look Him in the eye and say, I refuse the gift. And because you refused it, God might say to us, Depart. Leave. You judged yourself unworthy of all of the promises that I've made you. Would you receive the gift that Jesus Christ has brought to us by believing that He is indeed the Son of God? Would you... Be willing to repent of the sins that you have in your life. Make the great confession. Be immersed to have your sins washed away in His blood. And then give your life to Him every day, living as a Christian. It may be this morning that you've become a Christian, but your life has not been like a Christian's life. And you need to make it right this very morning. If you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, do it right now.